Hey, welcome to the CMO Whisper Show. I'm your host, Steve Olensky. Part marketing practitioner, part ad agency veteran, part journalist. I was a writer for Forbes for 10 years. I've had so many insightful conversations over the years with business leaders, to athletes, to celebrities, to, of course, CMOs. The only difference now is instead of sharing those insights through written form, I'm doing it this way. My guest today is Michael Williams. He is a global leader who has served as CMO, Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Grand Prix of America slash Formula One. He's also served as CMO, SVP of Sales and Marketing for the New Jersey Devils and the Prudential Center. He also was Vice President of Marketing for the 49ers in the NFL. And he was responsible for all the sales and marketing for the Walt Disney Company's hockey team, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Currently, Michael is general manager and managing director of Summit One Vanderbilt, the tallest commercial skyscraper in mid-Manhattan. Under Michael's leadership, Summit has redefined immersive experiences atop the iconic modern landmark and has invited, are you ready for this, more than 3 million guests since it opened He is spearheading this innovative and engaging guest experience of Summit that has brought in more than $100 million in revenue in less than two years. I am so honored, so thrilled, so happy to have my brother from another mother, Michael Williams, on the show. How are you, my friend? Hey, man, let me tell you. First of all, I'm doing fantastic. I need to bring you with me everywhere I go because if I could have you as my intro, man, I, I'm going to be living life right. That's for damn sure. Hey, brother, right. it's great great to be on your show. Yeah. to be on your podcast and excited for what you're doing in this new venture. It's been a long time coming for sure. Yes, exactly. Real quickly, Michael and I have known each other. We met, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, we met in Marina Del Rey, California. Yep, yeah, at a, at a really long time ago, but it's a great event on CMOs. And like any relationship in life, we just clicked. Yeah, and I think that's important, right? I think we've all been through enough of these keynotes, conferences, whatever the case may be. And you end up, at least I find, that you're able to weed through the BS. You're able to find the individuals that really are a substantive, right? And have some really sort of meaning to what they do, what they stand for, and how they can connect with you. And I think that's one of the things that you and I immediately hit it off on is that there was some real genuine authenticity to it. Exactly. Exactly. Like I tell people all the time, I I can't meet enough people in my life, but it doesn't mean everybody stays in my life. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. So I, I, like I said earlier, I was, I went to summit one. It is, I I am not being hyperbolic. Believe me. It's incredible. It is absolutely. And the number of people, every single, what what do you think per day, Michael, what do you get per day there? Well over 7,000 people a day, right? That's, I mean, with the right. amount of guests and, and individuals that we come through. And, you know, just to stop you right there, Steve, it's not uh, – it's all in the mindset, right? From my time at Disney to the time with the NFL, both on the league and the team side, everything I've tried to really try to instill in my team is it's about mindset and it's about positioning. So it's never people coming through our space, ever. It's about guests, right? Yep. It's about people that are coming through. And none of our employees are ever references employees. Everybody's an ambassador. Similar to that of Disney and cast member, it's to set a tone early. And once you do that, it's something that then ultimately then continues through every decision, everything that you do. It has this great sort of ability to connect that DNA from what it is you are doing and ultimately through the delivered product itself. So we've been very fortunate to do this with Summit One Vanderbilt. All right. So let me, since you went there and I love that, let me, let me just ask you a, a question from, because you have the CMO background, right? Yes. To what you're doing now. 
to to CMOs listening right now who are like, I don't know, CPG, for example, yep. right? What can they learn from what you're doing right now? You know, I would say, it, and I know that's a heavy sigh as we get into this because that's a, we could spend the whole time just on that question itself. But it's, a, it's really getting away from this idea of the consumer relationship and understanding it's about the uh, just the relationship. Remove consumer. If you ultimately work to deliver a better relationship and a better experience, at the end of the day, the byproduct, the end result is going to be more revenue, more sales, and ultimately a higher instance of them ultimately selling for you. I hate using that term, but one of our greatest successes we've had so far is that we have done a, a, a fair amount of traditional and strategic marketing, if you would, but our largest growth absolutely has come from the people who have come through the space evangelizing it for us, yep. becoming ambassadors, right? And, and we have ultimately then taken that into the marketing message and the campaign that we have right now, which is taking this idea of listening to what our, our, our guests and the people who have come through the space tell us. Coming through, it felt like this. It felt like any number of things. And each of them are unique. Each of them are authentic. Each of them are very genuine. And I think the more you can get away from this idea of trying to just uh, create a summarized sort of idea of how you're going to speak to everybody and how you're ultimately going to deliver on this idea of it's relationship-based, I think you would find that the results would ultimately speak for themselves. I really do. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's not, listen, there's groups out there and there's, there's businesses and companies out there that want to market and ultimately position themselves as a commodity, and that's fine. There's a place and a room for that in the marketplace as well. But you're always you're always going to be undercut, right? It's about creating this relationship through the brand with that end user and recognizing them for the value that they are and what they bring to the table, and then ultimately recognizing how it is that your experience can translate and ultimately transcend this, you know, across any different levels of thing. Connection through motivation, ultimately through conversion, all to most important to that next step of that funnel, which is ultimately then consideration. Considering not just that you would do it again, but that you're willing to share that with somebody else within your circle. That is probably the next step of that funnel of how I'm taking it from awareness to motivation to consideration to ultimately then the sharing aspect of you're willing to then take it a step further and share it with your very limited, very valuable circle of influence and those people that you interact with because that becomes really the next step of the funnel. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, re- it really does. And I love how you put that, that what you're doing and what you believe in and what you espouse is applicable to any brand, right? It, could, it can be a CPG brand that has no inter- interaction with the consumer. It, you still have the engagement and the experience. Completely. Just look at what the NFL did, right? They were brilliant in doing this several years back which is where they transitioned away from the idea that their brand was all about football, right? This transition, and everyone has seen it to the point where it's truly about entertainment. So when you get down to the idea of what drives their brand, it's about intense, meaningful, and unifying moments. Truly, that's what it is. Everyone understands the intense aspect of what football brings to itself. But more importantly, it's about unifying opportunities, right? It's about meaningful. There's only so many games. So each one, you can't miss it. You have to be part of this. And this isn't something you can do, you know, passively on the side. You have to be engaged. You have to be involved. And you want to be involved because everything is so meaningful. And by the way, it unifies people together. Human beings are are communal by nature. And if you can offer people the chance to do that at a higher level, then it ultimately just continues to extend and and further that touch point of what your brand does with with the marketplace. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right, I got to start off with, or not start off because we went down that path, which was great. But I have this standard (laughs) question that I ask everybody. 
Because I get asked almost every day. Sure. What's the difference between marketing and advertising? Uh, well, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll step back further. There's a huge difference, but it's more importantly, it's the responsibility in the difference between marketing and, and advertising. Marketing really has to step back and is always step one of recognizing really what the brand stands for, what the DNA of the brand stands for, what it is you're looking to accomplish, what problems we're trying to solve. And then I think advertising becomes that tool and that partner of ultimately trying to figure out what measurable sense are we then going to try to get this message out. So you can do everything you want, but if the message that ultimately is translating doesn't fall back to the strategy that the marketing is putting in place, then I think you're going to falter, which is why I'm always such a huge believer in working within the sense of like a brand filter. Mm -hmm. I've seen it on both sides where marketers and people in charge of brands, they look to the agency to try to create, establish, and ultimately then put forth a strategy of what the brand's supposed to do. How do you do that? How do you turn that responsibility, that core responsibility, over to somebody else? That is yours and yours alone. This agency, and I've worked on the agency side as well, they are a partner. They are a tool in most cases for you to ultimately do what it is you need to accomplish. But by no means should you ever turn over that core responsibility of driving strategy and marketing as a sense of recognizing you know, marketing is not just something done in a corner office. Marketing is something that really should be established and communicated across all the different verticals within business. Guest experience at some point has a marketing function, right? Understanding sales and what you're doing within data has a marketing function. What you're going to be doing from product development to ultimately product execution to distribution has a marketing element. They all do. That's the reason why we do things. They have some at one Vanderbilt right now. When we had training for guest experience or forward-facing, public-facing experiences, we didn't just have our guest ambassadors go through it. I had everyone go through it. Security, mm. finance, different people within different aspects of marketing, PX. You know why we had PX do it? Because they are in a marketing outreach. They are a brand touch point for anyone who's considering coming to work here. That is another example in which marketing transcends and ultimately goes past just a singular department. Advertising doesn't do that. Advertising takes all these things you need them to do, and they in turn do what the definition of that is. They advertise it. They get the word out there. So there is an enormous difference between the two, an enormous difference. And it's another example of why you're so successful at what you do, and I'll say it for you, because you didn't just have the, those on the front lines go through the guest experience training. No, not at all. We had every single person. Yeah, and the other thing we do, which is a great program, that we've, inst we've, we've instituted here is a program called Serve. And we take everybody who's on the corporate side of the business in the office setting, if you would, and every quarter they're required to go over and actually work one of the guest public facing positions over on site every single quarter. And the reason for that is you have to see what you're working for. You have to see it firsthand. If you ever are so distant and so removed, how in the world can you do your job at a high level if you don't really understand about getting your hands dirty and doing something every single day. Yeah. So it brings this amazing opportunity to learn every single day. But more importantly, it creates even a further connection of culture between the folks that are working on site and the people that are working in the office. Brand, culture, all of it falls back to that. Yeah, and at the, at the heart of everything you're talking about, right, and you used the word human before, you know, we're hum we all have emotions, right? And at System One... Everything we do is rooted in emotion, right? And yes. we have a saying around here, it goes like this. We think a lot less than we think we think, which yep. means we just, we respond, 
right, to a stimulus, to an experience, to something, whether it's an ad, whether it's an an experience going to Summit One, whether it's going to a shopping mall, right, whatever the case may be. And it's just fascinating to me that that how brands, so many brands, to this day still don't get, especially on the B2B side, which you and I could have a whole separate conversation on. Yes, we could. Right, about how that that they're just this this void of emotion. And I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, but I want you to I want you to talk a little bit about the the importance of emotion in everything we do. Well listen, I, I think as you become older, one of the things you do is you become very, very comfortable with who you are, right? Or at least I'll speak for myself. And I think as brands become more and more comfortable with who they are, they then get a better sense and have this ability to communicate that to their really their their core brand group and their core brand you know consumer if you would, and I think all of that falls back to this emotional sense of look I'm not only going to help you improve your life or I'm not only going to help you improve this opportunity or things you're looking to do, but I recognize you I value you and within that I think that that emotional sense of as human beings you appreciate that right nobody ever ever just wants to be thought of as just another whatever. Yeah. I want to be thought of as being important. I want to be thought of as being valuable, respected, cared for. And, and again, it doesn't matter in a lot of instances what the product is. I had somebody who ch- challenged me during a keynote one time saying, sure, all these things you say about are great within sports, but that doesn't work with insurance. Are you kidding mm. me? Really? Yeah. The, the, why, why would you ever go into it with a myopic idea that it doesn't work within these things? It may not work exactly the same, but there's always room and always this opportunity in fact, as marketers, it's your responsibility to continue to try to figure out ways to connect with that that consumer emotionally, right? Once I do that, I'm going to make sure that this relationship that I nurture, something that I build on, and something that I continue to try to make stronger every single day. Exactly. If I do that, just like in relationships between people, it's going to serve you well in the it, long run. It absolutely it, will. Exactly. And it's and it's just not rocket science. But let me let me move on. The elephant right now in every marketer's room is AI. Yeah. Right. Every, you know, I just, the you know, the numbers, the statistics, they're, yep. they're just blowing through the roof. And in fact, I just read something today. It was from the CMO of Pepsi that he basically said, well, they're, they're kind of sitting back. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, it's, you know, checking out the landscape and I get the impression that there's two very distinct camps Mm-hmm. The deep end and the baby pool, right? Yeah. What's what is your you know not only in what you're doing mm-hmm. for your day job, but just at mark you know agnostic of that, just marketing in general. Yeah. When it comes to AI. So here's what I'll tell you about AI. Interesting enough, I just went to post something on LinkedIn just yesterday morning, and I was I'm sort of taken back that the first thing it asked me was put your comment here, and if you choose, you can have AI actually rewrite it for you. Wow. Have you seen that? No. Yeah. So I, I, I received this pop-up and it basically said, put your comment here or put your post here. And if you choose, hit this button and AI will ultimately rewrite it for you and you can approve it before it's posted. Wow. Listen, it's coming. It's already here and it's going to continue to evolve and become much more of a daily part of everybody's life, both on the business, the marketing and the personal consumer side. It is. It's going to happen, right? So- Part of my concerns are the following. I want AI to become a resource. I don't want it to make people lazy. Mm. 
I think one of the things that I find I love about marketing most, and I think the reason I have had the success I've had, been fortunate to have, is that I'm driven by an intellectual curiosity. I'm always looking to learn, always looking to, to, to try new things, to learn new things, and figure out why things worked or, or if they didn't work. And that takes time, right? That takes effort, and that sort of takes a lot of push and passion to continue to do that on an ongoing basis. I hope that AI doesn't provide itself to the point, just like that LinkedIn post I mentioned, where people use it as a means of being lazy, to not mm -hmm. do the work. And I would never want brands and, and businesses to get to the point where they're using AI because they don't want to put in the work. That's, that's one of my concerns. To that end, though, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of ways that people can use it. But, you know, I use phones as an analogy a lot of times because we went through the same thing with big data, right? At one point, you know, marketing was all about the emotional and the art, and then everything became big data and it went all the way to the other side. And now I'm to a point where I consider that we've right-sized it, right? I think there's a good mix of the two, and then you still need professionals that are able to sort of combine what they learn from both aspects of that side and then are able to make educated and informed decisions. Very similar to that with phones. Now, you and I are both old enough to remember when they had the big, giant brick phones. Oh, yeah. Right? And they were enormous, and they were huge and unclumsy and the whole thing. Then we got to a point where phones were became so small that you'd lose them in your pocket or, you know, women would lose them in their purse or what have you. Now they're to a point where there's really, across all brands, really two sizes, right? So they've gotten to the point where they've got enough data, enough usage sort of information, and they've now figured out that there's really just two sizes, one that's a little bit smaller and one sort of mid-size, and that's it. And I think we will get to the point with AI where things become right-sized. Yeah. I think people will use it as a tool. I think they will figure out how to make faster, more effective type you know, usage of, of how they're going to incorporate it into their workflow. But at the end of the day, I hope that, that I, I plan to make sure that when we use it, it's used as an additional resource and asset. That it by, by no means is it the end-all, be-all of, of how things are ultimately being put in park. Right. Right, where you don't want to get you don't want to get dependent on it, right? And yeah. Our founder uh, of System One, John Kieran, was speaking at an event not long ago, and he used the word "tool." Yeah, that AI is a tool, and I think that's perfect. It's one hundred percent a tool. It's another asset within the toolbox that marketers and businesses should ultimately utilize. Yeah, exactly. So, a topic that I know is so near and dear to your heart is consumer centricity, as you like to put it, right? Now, before I get your views on it, I have to share this. I just, it's another story I read. Like you and I, we read voraciously. And I was reading something. I, I, I don't want to say the name of the brand because I might get it wrong, but it was a big automaker. And it was like this announcement that was, you know, all trumpets blaring that we're now customer focused. And, you know, and I know I'm a natural cynic, you know, and I'm going, it's September of 2023. What the hell were you doing up till now, right? That we're now customer centric. We're now customer focused, right? So I have my own, you know, ideas and, and thoughts on, on consumer centricity, customer centricity. But I want to get kind of your word association when I say those two words, what comes to mind? So it really actually even boils down even further than that, Steve. It's about personalization, right? And understanding sort of the, the, the opportunity to connect with people for different reasons. And then I'm going to go ahead and give you another sports example. One of the reasons that I think some of the leagues have really taken off and other leagues have faltered behind is this idea that they realize 
different fans and different people are ultimately then tuning into your team, your sport, to your league for different reasons, right? No longer is the day that they are looking just for nothing but a sports fanatic to come in and watch this particular sports team or this league play. They are now taking the point where they realize there's some people are looking at it simply for the sports, true, but some are looking at it for entertainment. Some are looking at it for immediate gratification. Some are looking at it for business. I know some people that ultimately interact with certain leagues and sports teams because of the philanthropic community effort of what they do in the case. So in each of those instances, centrally sort of driving back to the consumer, or in this case, sort of that, that the public or the sort of the general person that you're interacting with, it's about understanding how you personalize and centristically sort of put it back to what's important to them, right? So for us at Summit One Vanderbilt, the reason I think that we've had the success we've had is really under the understanding that we didn't create it or we didn't ultimately put it in place where we mandated every single person who came through had the same experience, right? So it's not a timed event. We allow you to stay for as long or as short as you want. We allow you to basically create an opportunity for you to establish your own experience as you go through, which personalizes it. But more importantly, it doesn't matter if you're old or young. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. What we do and we position ourselves as such is we're not an observation deck. We are this immersive guest journey that allows you to come through and become a storyteller in your own right for as loud as you want to be or ultimately as privately and quiet as you want to be. But every single person that comes through. So within that that customer centricity or sort of that personalization of that relationship for us, recognizing every decision we make falls back to that central point of that's how we ultimately are going to move forward. Strategically, business-wise, ultimately fundamentally, and then modeling what we're going to be doing in the future. Yeah. And again, like I said earlier, what you just said is applicable to really any brand in any industry. Absolutely. Right? Right. And and that's, that's, that's your point, right? Completely my point. The things I'm doing now are some of the things I did within within sports, right? The things I'm doing now are some of the same things we did within, be it hockey, be it Formula One, be it the NFL, what have you. It's about just recognizing, right, that, that you have to understand that what you're offering is more than just, unless you are, you are offering more than just a single sort of point of, of your brand to individuals. And in doing so, recognizing that people are going to be coming from different areas for different needs and different wants. And I want to make sure that I address and offer those different needs to different ones, an opportunity to connect with me and interact with me and our experience and our brand on multiple lane planes, multiple thresholds, multiple platforms. And in doing so, I then I'm not just doing it for me, but I'm doing it for any number of customers out there. So it allows more channels, more opportunities for interaction and touch points, but then most importantly, more opportunity for me to grow and ultimately drive my brand. So to put the, the customer front and center, which we know every brand talks about, right? Part of that, inherent in that, is being authentic, right? And it's another, it's another buzzword, as you know, authenticity, right? And, and how are brands authentic and how, you know, because consumers, by the way, I happen to think marketers and brands don't give consumers anywhere near the credit for being able to recognize inauthentic behaviors. So how do you, what do you say to a brand? Boy, we really, you know, we got to be more authentic, right? Which is a very high level thought, right? And query, but what do you say to a brand who's looking to become more authentic? Yeah, well, first of all, when you hear people talk like that, a lot of times that's 
that's a cocktail reception statement, right? That's yeah, a, yes, a statement yeah. somebody wants to make at a cocktail party in order to make themselves, or they're making it at a board meeting, or they're yep. making it at a at a big company, you know, function or get together, if you would. Because let's let's be very clear, change is hard, right? Change is very very hard, and and establishing and doing the, these things, you know, it is in a lot of cases there's some broken glass, and there and there's there's a lot of effort that goes into it because it is hard. But what I would say to brands like that, Steve, is the following. You have to be willing to do the hard work yourself before you could ever, ever expect consumers or your end user to ever believe the message that you're trying to deliver. Mm-hmm. Right? You Just like back to your conversation about the difference between marketing and agency, you know, so often things I think are pawned off onto you know, agency or, or whatever the end sort of development is going to be done as far as getting a message out there. But truly, before you do anything, I, I always love having a point where I go around and I like to ask, again, different people in different departments and different verticals, simple questions that should be somewhat standardized in their response. For instance, what's your brand stand for? Right? I, I mean, if you're in customer service, just because you're not in the marketing department, your title's not marketing director or marketing coordinator or SVP of marketing. If you're in customer service, you should have a pretty damn good idea of what your brand stands for. Yeah. Right? If you're in sales and you're selling something, my God, you should absolutely have a good idea what your brand stands for. You know, if you're doing something and you're representing this organization and this brand and you're in turn responsible for communicating it, if you're in PR, uh, I would hope I would get the answer that you have an idea what your brand stands for, similar to that of somebody in marketing. And I think a lot of times, I think there is instances where people assume that, that people internally know. And then there's always this confusion and answer or question as to, why isn't this translating to our, our consumer base or why isn't, consu- why isn't translating to the general marketplace? Well, how the hell are you going to translate it to them or expect them to understand it if, if, if people within the own organization doesn't know, right? I, I mean, you got to start there. You don't start, you don't start building a building from the top. You don't start building a building from the top. You got to start building with the foundation from the bottom and start working your way up. And that back of house, right? And another very buzzwordy word is culture, right? And which can get very watered down. And to your point earlier about the cocktail party going, oh, you know, Mr. CEO who has no idea about culture, but will say how great his company's culture is with no clue who, who actually do the the frontline work have what they, what they think about a given company's culture. Yeah. Right. To me, I always look at like uh, culture is it can't be that, that thing hanging up in the bulletin board on the break room you know, the seven tenets of our, our brand, you know, we are blah, 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 blah. You got to be able to, like you just said, you know, it's not just so what we do, but why we do it. Yeah. Right. So I know you're, you created incredible cultures at, at your stops, including where you're at. Cause I, I interacted with quite a few of the, of the staff at summit one. How do you approach creating and then maintaining a culture? Yeah. So you, in a lot of instances, I've, we were fortunate that being employee number one and being brought in, like the CEO and the artist and the other people had an idea of what this experience was and what they wanted it to do. But being brought in to basically say, hey, build out this organization and, and what it looks like. I was very fortunate to really lean back on all the experiences I've had up until now to, to really sort of define what it is I wanted and how uh, I wanted to make sure that that was instilled in the individuals and the professionals we brought on board. But you're, you're right. This is not just something that's spoken of. This is something that's in the very fabric of who we are. And in doing so, there's really five things that we, we talk about. And, 
and we do it from every single person as we go throughout the entire organization. First and foremost, we're mission driven, right? Uh, everyone understands whether you're in finance, whether you're in sales, whether you're in guest experience, public relations, or even in the uh, even in in the uh, you know in the maintenance staff or the cleaning staff, if you would. Everyone understands what we're looking to do. We're all rowing the boat in the same direction. Two, we are a feedback-rich environment, which means we are open to feedback. We look for ways to improve. We look for opportunities to continue to become bigger and better, more efficient, more streamlined, create more synergies across all aspects of the organization on a, on a daily basis. And that goes from the entry-level folks all the way up to myself and the team and everybody in between. We are always looking for opportunities to learn. And, and gain that feedback so we can continue to get better and make better decisions. Three, diverse and inclusive. You know, when you hear people talk all the time about no silos, but boy, it's really difficult and, and making sure you take time to always make sure that there are instances where there's open lines of communication, open lines of, of, of partnership. And I think that another one of the reasons we think that that program, the SERVE program does such a great job is that again, it doesn't show an us and them mentality. It doesn't show an office and corporate side and sort of a front-facing sort of group. It's not an us and them, it's a we. We talk all the time about we, not me. So there is this sort of idea of we're all working just alongside, just as hard and just long, as much as everyone else alongside us. Four, accountable and shared outcomes. So when we win, we all win, right? And in instances where we swing and miss and something happens, this is something we, we take responsibility for as a whole. It's not a matter of finger pointing. It's not a matter of saying, well, this is something that this department or this group tried and unfortunately it didn't work, but my group's doing really well? No. We are shared in all, all of the outcomes and all the things that ultimately take place as an organization. And again, we, not me, is something that we try to drive home. And lastly, you know, we, we try to make sure as much as we can every day that we learn, you know, that we're agile and we're learning oriented. And in doing so, I think it's important as we continue to build on these things, you know, you always look to try to make sure that you are looking at things differently. And you may come back to the same circle of saying that, look, what we're doing right now is working and what we're doing right now is is the best course of action. But don't get lazy. Continue to go back yeah. to the fact of let's try to figure to make a way out how uh, you know we were able to do this. But I know, I know there's an opportunity for us to continue to uh, to do even better. Yeah, exactly. There's no resting. There's no laurels. And and that's and with your sports background, you know that. Like, you're only as good as your last game kind of thing. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, you know, within sports, you can do all of these things right, and which makes sports just so incredibly difficult. You know, I've had people tell me before how easy it must be to sell and market sports, and I tell them it's, it's the exact opposite. You know, name me another product, another brand that somebody could have be so ferociously brand loyal to. You could ask him, you know, y'all know you down your way. You know, are you an Eagles fan? Absolutely. You, you know, watch television games. Every single game, never miss a game. Do you own merchandise, a journey, jersey, 100%. You know, when's the last time you bought a ticket and went to a game? Oh, yeah, no, I don't do that. So if you were to research and talk to people within sports, that brand loyalty is there. But in a lot of cases, it doesn't translate. And by the way, they could also consume that product from the comfort of their own home without ever having to worry about going someplace. Mm -hmm. And buying in a ticket that they may think is expensive or ultimately paying for a beverage or a beer that they think is overpriced or sitting in parking or drawing, you know, in traffic for a couple hours. So this idea of trying to get people to come in has to fall back to those core characteristics we talked about, which is authenticity, sort of this genuine sense of how I connect with these guests, delivering a, a centristic sort of approach to our guest and our fan experience. Yeah. All of these things can be can be applied no matter what it is you're doing. Really can't. Exactly. Exactly. So 
regular listeners, which I know I'm still building my <laughs> listenership, will know when I reference the fact that you, I'm just doing audio, but Michael, my guest, can see the album wall behind me. And it's very eclectic, and I'm a big music fan. And I like to wrap up every interview with a couple questions about music. And the first one oh, yeah. is, so my favorite song of all time is a song called Lean On Me by Bill Withers. Now, yeah. showing my age, but whatever, that song has always resonated with me. And those who know me know why that song resonates with yeah. me. So, yes, I'm putting you on the spot here. Wow. But is there is there a song? Is there a lyric? Is there an album? Is there an artist that just comes to mind and like that song, that lyric, every time I hear it, means something special. So I, I, I think you know this about me, but so I'm a musician. I'm a drummer, yep. and I play in a band with a bunch of buddies and friends. So I have a very wide and, and diverse love and appreciation for music, really, across all spectrums. So to try to pick one, God, I don't think I could do that. But, but what I will tell you is one of my favorite bands, especially, especially within the last my gosh, several years is uh, the Foo Fighters. And it was, it was Dave Grohl who had this just incredible quote in which he said, the thing that he loves about music that makes it so different than anything else is you can sing a song or a lyric in front of 80,000 people and 80,000 people will sing it back to you for 80,000 different reasons. So for you to tell me and ask me what is my favorite lyric for me, you know, I would say I have different lyrics that mean different things at different points, right? Depending on how you're listening to it in the context and such like that. But yeah, you know, just the other day, yeah, with, with Jimmy Buffett passing away, I grew up in Miami, right? So he had in one of his songs, there's a great line, which I will give you because you're, you're, you're pushing me to give you one. So I'll give you, but by no means is it my favorite, but it's a really, really telling, right? And one of his songs, he said, it's a fine line between Saturday night and Sunday morning, Right. So you got people that could be going out and doing a whole bunch of things Saturday night, but come Sunday morning, you got people repenting and sort of asking for all this forgiveness. And boy, that, that, you know, that margin becomes pretty narrow. That oh, time yeah. between Saturday night and Sunday morning <laughs> is not that, is not that, it's not that different. So that's a, it's a great yeah. line. All right. One last thing on, on just, you know, audio and sounds as I, yeah. and as I was putting together my studio here with, I'm such a musical person and, and just audio this phrase came to me michael the sound of marketing yeah and i go hmm and i i'm bouncing off some people like that's an interesting phrase so the question i ask is what does the sound of marketing sound like to you i would say the sound of marketing to me is that unfiltered unrehearsed genuine response that you get back from a consumer or from a guest or from a fan Mm -hmm. that you hear un, that, that's unprompted, right? When, when you get to hear someone talk and they don't know who you are and they don't know what you do and they don't have, know that you have any, any responsibility or role in marketing, what have you, when you get to hear that behind the curtain conversations with those individuals and they tell you what they really think, that is the sound of marketing. Hmm, I love it. I love it. Okay. Since you and I are big NFL fans, Yep. And we're recording this in the middle of September. <laughs> you know where I'm yeah. going. You know yeah. where I'm going. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you my prediction first if you want. You can't say Eagles. Come on. You can't do that. You're too much. That's too much of a fandom. You can't just say Eagles for the hell well, of I it. Can, well, I can be objective. I'm not like okay. normal Philly and hometown. I don't yeah. drink the Kool-Aid. 
Yeah. But in the NFC, I have to think the Eagles are going to get back. And in the AFC, my preseason, which I will say I can't change now, even though it's been yeah. one week. But no, I did not pick the Jets. And those listening know Aaron Rodgers is now up for yeah. the year. I did pick the Chiefs to go back yeah. and, to, and to have a repeat. And I did pick the Eagles to win because I think they're just last year. They're going to learn from last year's defeat. But yeah. your turn. Yeah. What two, what two teams are going and who's going to win? Listen. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you to it. But. You, know, you know, first of all, you know I have an awful lot of friends throughout the league, right? I, I know. Mean, this, this, I this, know. Is, this is difficult. And, I ho- and we're not too far. Being up in New York, we're not too far from some of the Philly fans down there oh, yeah. that we interact with. Not to mention, I do love myself a good Italian pork sandwich or a Philly cheesesteak every once in a while. So if I don't say that, I'm going to get no, some no. Bad, bad service when I go down there. But and I know I'm also a hater from everyone else, but you know what? I, I, you just you may find that this may be the Cowboys' years this, this, okay. this year as far as what they may be doing. Cowboys against it, okay? Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying it just simply, but you say that. But you look at some of the other pro. You look at how some of the teams have first started, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thinking about some of the folks that they lost in the off season, and the way that the Chiefs have, in fact, continued to strengthen their, you know, their roster and some of this stuff. Okay, I think, Cow- I think I may align with Cow- you on that. I, I think- Cowboys, Chiefs, yeah. who wins? Come on, say it. I'll still love you, even if you say who I think you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, I know you're going to cut me off. I'm glad you asked this at the end of the podcast as opposed to the end. <laughs> Listen, I think I think I don't know. I think you may find that there may be a chance that this could be the Cowboys' year. Okay, uh, yeah. I'll stop. I'll stop you there because we're yeah. running out of time. But that's perfectly fine. Listen, my brother, you know I love you. Like a brother, we have been through so much together. I will tell you this, if you're listening, and I sure hope you are and you're subscribing, if you're in New York, go to Summit One Vanderbilt, right? You can ask for Michael, tell him, Steve-O set you. I know he won't mind. Trust me, it will be the most incredible experience you've ever had in a building, in a physical structure. And it's it's not hyperbole whatsoever. I've been there. I've experienced it. I cannot wait to go back. So please go. My brother, thank you for being on my show. Steve, thank you so much for having me as a guest. Listen, nothing but nothing but props and great things for you in the future. I have no doubt that this is going to take off. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. And with you behind it, it's going to be, before you know it, it's going to be one of the hottest podcasts anywhere. So, Steve, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, brother. Well, that wraps up another episode of the CMO Whisperer Show. I hope you shared this episode with your friends. And if you have not already, please subscribe to be kept up to date on all the latest episodes. And if you're so inclined, leave me a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you. 